the diamond I realized the diamond The Empathy Museum presents A Mile in My Shoes. These are a size 8 men's Adidas trainers. They're all suede with some little white leather stripes down the sides and then the sign that says Adidas. And the tongue has got a well-worn Adidas symbol. White laces contrasting with the black suede and there's a sign that says Samba down the side. The sole underneath has got some lovely dimples and a very good grip. These shoes belong to Reuben Christie O'Connell. This is his story. We, we're very much aware that Jordan isn't coming back and that's something you do have to stop having those beautiful ideas that it could all be one horrific dream or joke. And you've got to make sure that even though he's not in the picture, he's, you know, he's got a legacy amongst us. You know, he is some sort of legend in our band of lads. He was very quiet at school. He was a nice lad, you know, just one of those lads who kind of floats about. Brilliant rugby player. We got into sixth form and he came out of his shell. And when he went to uni, he said, oh, obviously I won't be in touch much. Kind of said his goodbyes to go back to uni to start his second year. Because I was starting university, he said, you know, we'll go into central London, have brilliant times. One of our other friends, Will, rang me up in the middle of the day. Can you come round, mate? I need to chat to you. What's it about? He said, oh, I'll just tell, tell you when I get here. You know, it was a kind of moment when you just know something's gone really bad. So I drove up to his. He opened the door and he just sat me down, got me a cup of tea. He just said earlier this morning that he had been found hanging in his bedroom of his new uni house. And obviously the shock hit, so I kind of sat there and I almost felt embarrassed in a way. You know, Will was slightly in tears and I wasn't, and I kind of, I was very frustrated that I, I couldn't experience the emotions that other people had because I wanted to be sympathetic towards them. I wanted me and my friends to be on the same level but some of them you know couldn't stand up and had to sit down and you know grab onto things and I, I, I strolled around the house as if it was normal and that frustrated that that drove me up the wall at some points it's just one of those feelings that you can't put your finger on and I was doing things just as they should be but in my head I was thinking why am I not feeling this yet why am I not crying why why can I still sit here and focus on everything so we had to gather everyone throughout the day and in the evening. So I essentially I drove around the city for an evening, knocking on people's doors and obviously tell them the story. So that's why I almost feel immune to it now. In a way, I've been vaccinated against it because I think it took me three or four days to really experience the grief. And that's... I'm not sure how bad that is in comparison to feeling it straight away. But because it's suppressed and it, everything is calm, but the, the bad thing has happened and you know that the feelings haven't hit you yet. And that's the scariest part. You know it's coming, but you know that this storm is coming 
And then four days later, the grief absolutely hit me. And I don't know whether that was better than having the grief in the first place. Jordan had always loved university, so I, all summer I did have him telling me about you know, the brilliance of being on your own. And when I realised that he had killed himself at university, it did pop, and the excitement was completely gone. It's because I went to uni two weeks afterwards. In the run-up to it, there was always a lot of nervousness, because I've never been comfortable with the idea of moving away anyway. And I was still very much not sure. But when I had an offer from Goldsmiths, I did say, right, I'll take it now. If it doesn't work out, I can come back. Throughout that week, I was just packing up my stuff and gradually moving it from upstairs into the living room. And the way I think my brain was trying to comfort me was picturing Jordan at uni. You've got that image of, in my case, him hanging in your head. Everything starts to revolve around that in a weird way. And I, I can't explain it. And then the night before, I did really think, am I going to go? I did have this feeling of uh, I'm almost leaving everyone in the dirt here. This has happened and I'm, I'm just going to say, see ya, I'm going to go to university. And I had chatted to the lads about that and they'd reassured me that we don't think you're trying to get away. You were planning to go to university and you shouldn't let this stop you. But in, in my head, it was... If I go now, I'm almost going to miss out on everything to do with Jordan, the comforting each other, the rebuilding the confidence about being a group of lads. So that was in my head, and that was, I think, that was trying to stop me from going. And I'd said it was a Friday night, and then I was going to go on the Saturday morning. I said to my mum and dad, I'm going to go out to the pub for just a, you know, a brief catch up and goodbye I had slightly too much alcohol and I, I, I did come back and I was certain that I was not going to go but then the next morning dad came in he said right are we going to go then and with a slight headache I got up it's about a two and a half hour drive down and we we definitely avoided conversation about Jordan and that situation because I don't think my parents wanted to scare me but the conversation pff, was not encouraged by me because I just wanted to put my headphones in, very nervous about going still, just forget about it all till I had to get out of the car. And then when we did, you know, we parked down the road, grabbed some stuff and entered. And, you know, it's a nice old London building, the reception, it's tall, three stories. It was actually very intimidating. So we got in, went straight to my room and loaded my stuff, said a you know, a reasonably swift but emotional goodbye, but I just wanted to get it done and then going on my own. And then got inside and, yeah, actually that first moment when I was completely on my own, I was like, okay, so what is there to do? Because you're just suddenly on your own. In the first week of university, I just didn't really message anyone from home because it was just easier not to. The second week, I knew I was coming home that weekend for the funeral. And the second week I thought it was just pure sadness and I didn't understand how people could get to that point. But I can experience these similar feelings, which really, I think, resonated with me. I just genuinely couldn't think that he would do that, because it's definitely not him. 
it turned out that you know is something he did do but but it's you know to hang yourself that takes preparation and you can't just decide walk in somewhere and decide right that's where it's going to happen so eventually the toxicology report came back and there was no alcohol or no drugs in his system so you know it was definitely I'm going to use the term premeditated prepared for it planned it and decided to do it that night I was angry for a couple of weeks I just couldn't comprehend it and I was very angry at him but then I was angry at myself Inevitably, he felt that was right for him. To me and the lads, there was no hint of him saying goodbye, this is it, I'm, I'm done. That night, you know, been texting him, using Snapchat with him, we'd seen smiling photos of him. Just the sheer audacity of him and smiling and then actually not being true with his emotions to us. If I had the chance to be around him at the time it was happening, and I still know that I would be none the wiser because of the way he was, and that's the most horrific thing about it. I have realised myself that there was absolutely no indication and I can't keep tearing my hair out about trying to prevent it because I know even if I was there before it had happened, I wouldn't have a clue. From what we, we know, Jordan had never looked at help and I think he felt ashamed and embarrassed about about the way he was feeling because to his friends that he loved that wasn't him and it's definitely made me more aware of male suicide and the pressures that people face to stay masculine almost i feel like jordan was stereotypically and you'd look at him with your school eyes on you'd be like that's a, a masculine boys school lad, he played rugby, he had, you know, strong features, but he was soft as anything. And that softness, I'm not saying is bad, it's actually a great thing because he had a lovely heart and he was warm. But I think he forgot how okay it was to be like that. That it was okay with us to, to feel sad or be warm hearted and slightly emotional. I think he let that feeling of having to be masculine build up and forget who he really was. The experience and what I've gone through with Jordan's death is that there's been limited emotions and because it's so early into this journey of experiencing it, I think there's more to come of it. The day that I wake up in the morning and he's not the first thing that I think about, and he's not the last thing I think about, then the healing process has properly started. And I feel very frightened about the next stage because I'm not sure what emotion that will be and if it's something I've already experienced or not. At the same time, I look forward to that because it's another step forward. The story is still very fresh. He is very much still alive in one sense. Rubin's story was produced by Siobhan Harrison. His shoes are part of a growing collection of footwear hosted by the Empathy Museum's A Mile In My Shoes exhibition. The shoes and stories come from all over the world. 
Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to find out where we are going next. <laughs>